It's been roughly a week since U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken delivered a speech entitled Free and Open Indo-Pacific on his state visit to Jakarta, Indonesia. Like its name suggests, it echoed the Biden administration's strategy in the region to work with allies to defend and promote freedom. It also keeps China in check. But exactly what kind of diplomatic approach does this all imply? For some insight, we decided to call up Professor Kim Byung-ju once more this morning. Uh, he joins us on the line. Good morning, Professor Kim. Good morning. How was your weekend? Uh, excellent. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us this Monday morning. Uh, let's Thank go you. back to this speech that you wanted to bring up with our listeners. Last Tuesday, your Secretary of State Anthony Blinken delivered a speech that was titled once more, Free and Open Indo-Pacific. Could you walk us through the speech itself and why it has since attracted so much analyst attention worldwide? Yeah, uh, I guess we can talk about details later. But overall, mm. the overview of the speech, what yeah. it means, uh, the thing is, it's been almost a year since Biden administration uh, was entered uh, its office and uh, in existence. But the thing is, for a long time, uh, the world has been kind of waiting for United States articulation of its uh, Asia policy. Mm. Uh, some see continuation of Trump's lines of countering China. Others have seen some new innovations, different thinking in terms of how United States wants to deal with Asia, East Asia, and the strategy of it, uh, their priorities. And the whole world have been kind of waiting for it. And of course, the Biden administration, they have had other things in, you know, in more greater urgency, like a withdrawal from Afghanistan, for instance, mm-hmm. and uh, coronavirus and all that. So even though we knew all along region-wise, East Asia, Indo-Pacific uh, have been the, the, the most important area, important region for U.S. foreign policy. Mm-hmm. However, the details of what United States see in regions, for instance, uh, uh, regarding this region, uh, there wasn't much of articulation. And, you know, like related to this, uh, how, you know, they had other priorities. One of the good examples is Korea, for instance. We still don't have U.S. ambassador name mm-hmm. designated mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. It's been a year since Biden administration uh, inaugurated, but we still don't have officially designated U.S. ambassador to Korea. So, so that it has been, we know East Asia is important, but it has been, relatively speaking, put in the back burner because of other, uh, you know, issues. Uh, mm. Now, finally, <laughs> finally, last week, the articulation came uh, in the form of five core elements, what uh, Secretary Blinken called. And uh, this, we, the analysts understand this is the picture of how the United States wants to counter China in this region of the world, Indo-Pacific, East Asia included, and, uh, you know, what's the strategic architecture that we are looking at. So uh, that's why mm. a lot of attention has been paid to uh, Blinken's speech this time. You know, Professor Kim, you raise a fantastic point, considering that uh, Anthony Blinken actually reiterated that what happens in the Indo-Pacific region, more than any other regions, may shape the trajectory of the world in 21st century. So clearly he wanted to highlight the importance, but it does came slightly belated on the backdrop of other pressing issues, as you've said. Uh, mm-hmm. y- you mentioned the five core elements. Um, what mm-hmm. exactly does that stipulate? Yeah, the, the five core elements basically summarize the the key priorities 
that the United States sees in this region of the world. Uh, number one, and then how they're going to promote it, the, mm-hmm. those, mm-hmm. those are the points. Number one is about more of the values, such as freedom and openness, how they want to uh, promote and protect freedom, openness, and fairness, rule of law in in the in, in across the land, according to his words, across uh, across land, cyberspace, and open seas. So mm-hmm. basically, the idea is United States wants to preserve the zone of freedom and openness, as opposed to he didn't say this, but as opposed to China controlled. areas, I suppose. He doesn't and, uh, say it uh, per, I mean, doesn't address it directly, but could it be implied that he's talking a little bit about the South China Sea situation? South China Sea itself was yeah. uh, specifically mentioned okay. as an example. He didn't mention China directly in his own speech in terms of the, the fact sheet that was published uh, you know, by the U.S. government. But yes, indeed, South China Sea mm-hmm. is definitely in there. So number one is the value of freedom and openness to be preserved. Number two is strengthening allies. Uh, he wants to, United States government wants to like strengthen and link different uh, uh, alliance structures together to form greater form of pro-U.S. alliance in the region. Mm-hmm. And then number three is economic side prosperity. Uh, how they want to create a region where FDI, foreign direct investment, trade, and uh, the safety in the digital economy and prosperity Mm -hmm. of it, and then also supply chain issues would be preserved. So Mm -hmm. number three is the economic side. And the number four is also economic side, but more about about human life. Uh, He calls the resilience, sustainability. Uh, There, what he meant is uh, the factors related to coronavirus, for instance, public Mm, health, mm. and climate change. Mm. And lastly, the the fifth one uh, among the five uh, core elements, security and defense, the Mm. the traditional national security and defense. Mm. But of course, there, uh, he introduced the idea of, uh, interestingly, new term, uh, newly coined term, integrated deterrence and and, uh, um, combining different elements of deterrence. But at the end, he emphasized the diplomacy as the most important means of uh, alliance. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, so number one, two, three, four, five, uh, many of the number two alliance, number five, national security, they're mm-hmm. they are related. And in, in talking about alliance, uh, you know, he also talked about the, the treaty alliances and so on. These, these are interesting new terminologies, uh, treaty alliance, integrated defense, Uh, analysts will be busy, uh, mm. uh, kind of like uh, drawing out further implications of what these ideas mean mm. uh, as, as we go forward, I think. Okay, so then let's take a look at those newly coined, highlighted terminologies and its significance. Um, Secretary Blinken again touched upon Korea in his speech, underscoring that very importance of South Korea-U.S. alliance to maintain peace and stability in the Indo-Pacific region at large. So specifically... What do you suppose he meant by treaty alliance? Treaty alliance is the, the, uh, what we call, uh, excuse me, there is some noise in the back. My apologies. That's all uh, right. Treaty alliance is basically, for, from the perspective of uh, you know, analysts, treaty alliance itself is 
is a term that doesn't immediately offer something new because ma- most of the alliances are based on treaties, right? Right. Like you, you sign a treaty to become alliance. But, <laughs> but uh, what we understand here, the treaty alliance, what Blinken implies and what the United States has in their mind is that uh, they, go, they want to go more by what's written in the text of the treaties. What's read, written in the text treaties, these are mutual defense treaties. So mm-hmm. what it means is not only United States is going to protect Korea, but also Korea has obligation to protect the U.S. interest. Mm-hmm. You, you see where we are getting at, right? All right, all right. So, so for instance, there are uh, situations in South uh, China Sea, if vital U.S. interest is involved, or something happens in Taiwan, mm-hmm. if vital interest of the United States is involved again, there is an expectation for Korea to do something about it, according to these text, uh, text mm. treaties, treaty of the text. So that's what he was getting at. So it's a point that never really in the history uh, so far has been emphasized, this mm-hmm. mutual responsibility bit. But now with the China's rising, mm. uh, this point is being remind through, reminded through this term, Treaty alliance. That South Korea would be expected to essentially choose between this very tricky balancing act between the two global powers. Right, exactly. All right. Uh, also, that idea of integrated deterrence, it seemed to be once again about one against China, particularly. Could you explain mm-hmm. to our listeners a term itself? Yeah. Uh, along with the treaty alliance, integrated defense, deterrence is the one that attracted attention. But mm. uh, deterrence, uh, you're like you're push, pushing back yeah. when your enemy is uh, uh, advancing. And so you want to uh, stop your enemy from provoking you. That, that's the idea of deterrence. And the integrated deterrence means you're trying to use all the means available uh, to, uh, to you. Mm. And uh, what this means in the context of U.S. strategy to Indo-Pacific means uh, is that the like they have built uh, during the tr- uh, Trump years and mm-hmm. also the, you know the so far under Biden, mm-hmm. United States have built small alliances called Quad. Quad is mm-hmm. U.S., Japan, uh, Australia, and India. Uh, supposedly a security kind of discussion alliance, even though in India has been uh, saying, well, we're not sure whether we want to see this develop mm. into a security alliance or not. But that's what the United States wants to see. United States, Japan, Australia, and India together as a quad. Mm. That's four te- four member team. And then uh, recently we heard AUKUS, right? Yeah. United States, uh, UK, mm. and Australia. Right. Uh, initially launched with, with regard to Australia's nuclear-powered submarine development project, but we know this is going to go ahead much further beyond that scope of issues. So integrated deterrence means the United States would like to combine Quad and AUKUS together eventually. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but also draw in countries like Korea into this uh, network uh, of different small alliances. So, mm-hmm. you know, we heard before there have been some unofficial uh, desire, uh, unofficial expression of desire on the side of the United States for Korea to join Quad, mm. or Korea to do more work uh, with regard to AUKUS, for mm. instance, right? Uh, so uh, that's why when President Moon Jae-in visited uh, Australia uh, last week, uh, right. recently, there was a speculation, what's going on? Like Australia uh. is a member of Quad, 
and also Australia is a member of AUKUS as well. What's happening between South Korea and Australia? What does it mean for Quad and AUKUS? So mm. uh, all these things are creating some speculations, and that's being backed by the pronounced idea of the United States called integrated deterrence. Professor Kim, I'm slowly trying to understand, uh, actually understanding why analysts will be taking this apart for weeks to come. It's just, it just seems <laughs> that there are many subtleties to be looked into in a much more careful manner. But exactly. uh, relating to actually the reshuffling of global supply chain last Friday, we also saw U.S. under Secretary of State for Economic Growth, Energy and Environment, Jose Fernandez, visiting Seoul. Uh, how do mm-hmm. we relate that visit to Blinken's Jakarta vision statement? Analysts believe that these are all parts of the big picture altogether that the United States is putting its effort into uh, consolidating. Uh, So we had not only uh, Jose Fernandez visiting about the same time or like right after uh, you know Blinken's speech Mm -hmm. uh, here but uh, let's say if we Look back a few weeks ago, we also had Daniel uh, Clinton Brink, who's uh, who's uh, like Assistant Secretary for East Asia and, and Pacific, visiting from the U.S. Uh, State Department as well on on related areas. We, meaning that we have all these uh, U.S. State uh, Department officials visiting this region of the world and Korea included to talk about. Uh, the supply chain issues. And by the way, supply chain issue is a part of integrated deterrence because I only touched upon the military and security side of right. integrated uh, deterrence. But uh, the part of another important part of integrated deterrence is also economic counterbalancing of China, mm-hmm. meaning that offering U.S. allies alternative to China's market or alternative to those the alternative China to China as a source of their materials and so on. Mm. So uh, these government officials are visiting this area, region of the world, including Korea, to talk about new ideas of uh, building new system of global supply mm. before Xi Jinping, before Trump, before uh, Joe Biden. We had China as a source of global supplies, manufacturing mm. and some of the natural resources and so on. But now the United States wants to restructure it, mm-hmm. rebuild it, mm-hmm. trying to exclude China. It's try to build a U.S.-led world without China. Mm. So, Less dependent uh, on China, for example. Exactly. So, for instance, when we had Undersecretary Fernandez visiting last week, uh, he was meeting with not only his counterpart at the Ministry of uh, Korean Ministry of Foreign Affairs, but he was meeting with uh, other ministries of, uh, the, you know, like industry or economy or finance here in Korea. And also he was talking to the heads of uh, different businesses, semiconductor businesses and and then the uh, biohealth and different areas of important businesses here in Korea, all talking about this kind of rebuilding of global, uh, you know, supply network in a different way. So it's a very, very interesting development that we are seeing, like whole new world opening up 
in front of our eyes mm. through this trends of uh, countering China mm. on the side of the United States. Professor Kim, um, I feel like I can keep you on the clock for an entire hour, because, but we don't have time <laughs> for that. So I'm going to ask you to round things out uh, with what this all means for South Korea. Uh, what does last week's developments in Jakarta and Seoul together mean for Korea? And is there perhaps something new beyond strategic positioning between the two global powers for South Korea? In terms of what we were reading uh, in news headlines last week and in recent weeks, in terms of U.S. efforts to restructure, rebalance, and rebuild a U.S. alliance system here, uh, these efforts offer nothing really new. We, we knew this was coming, and mm. this has been underway for some time, meaning that this is an important trend. This is no surprise, mm. and this idea has been talked about for a long time. So that's why um, more than ever before, Korea needs uh, greater efforts to, to actually come up with its own lines of strategy. As Blinken articulated U.S. strategy for Indo-Pacific last week, Korea needs to kind of structure and then, and then firm up its own strategic vision. Mm-hmm. And I guess the timing would be good because we will have a presidential election next March and we will have new government coming in next May as mm-hmm. well. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily before all this happening, but around the time, as mm. soon as possible, mm. Korea need to perhaps articulate its own position about how it wants to deal with China, how it wants to respond to U.S. new uh, efforts and so on. Because if you don't have clear ideas and clear position, clear pronouncements of your values and what really matters for you, mm. uh, different powers around the world can really push you around Mm-mm. and ask you to do things whatever they want to do. So uh, it is important for Korea to articulate what matters for us. And I hope that's what happens ASAP. Thank you very much, Professor Kim, for such a thorough analysis. We'll speak to you again soon. Thank you very much. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.